Welcome to the Charlie the Chicken Mushroom Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kerwin, and I'm here with Jennifer Nogin at Mountain Meat Shares in Arleigh, Montana. And I was super blessed to be part of your um, your shares, your, how should I say? Meat shares. The meat shares, yeah. But more of like a CSA. People think, you know, vegetable CSA, and it was really cool to have the opportunity for a meat CSA, which I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to do so we're just very lucky out here um in beautiful montana so thank you for having us we're actually coming to you all live from inside the goat pen um jen is currently sitting with a how many week old one week old. a one week old goat and there's a few more running around our feet so you're going to hear some noises in the background and we thought we would just bring the baby goats to you the best way we know how so uh check my instagram for pictures but uh, again thank you for having me i want to talk about Mountain Meat Shares, you know, how you got started, how you transitioned into this lifestyle. Um, and my first question was, what came first, the chicken or the goats? Thanks, Katie, for coming out here. Um, that's a great question, but there's actually something in between the chicken and the goats, which is pigs. So I have been raising chickens all of my life, and I started um, actually having meat chickens and butchering, learning to butcher meat chickens with my grandmother. And so my grandmother always would... Um, throughout the summer raise meat chickens and slaughter a few in the afternoons and um, as kids we would help and I probably wasn't even gosh eight years old and my cousins and I would help and so that has been something that's been part of my life for a really long time and so we always had laying hens here at the farm here but we also have been raising meat chickens for about 25 years and um, and then we also have had pigs. Usually the pigs are just in the spring, summer, and fall, and we don't keep them over the winter. But pigs were also something that my grandparents raised, and so that is a really fun part of the farm. So it went chickens, pigs, and then goats. And I've only had goats for about five years. They were completely new to me. And I had previously had no interest in goats. I'd never had them on the farm. I'd never had them part of my family's farm, but I got to meet some and they were super sweet and they were not obnoxious. And then I realized that I was raising all of um, our own meat and I was getting vegetables from um, farmers here in the valley. But when I went into the grocery store, it was all dairy yogurt and butter and cheese and milk and half and half and I thought this is the missing piece and mm -hmm. so then I got dairy goats nice I know they're um pretty stinking cute and it's hard to stay focused right now but <laughs> <laughs> um that's great and I want to talk a little bit about like processing so I mean but this is going to take you way back like do you remember killing your first chicken like what that was like do you have a vivid memory or was it um, like just something that became so normal it became so normal and i don't know that i was the one wielding the knife at eight years old my grandmother was but it was just it was just part of the process and there was it was actually kind of fun anatomy as kids to go through the chicken and be like oh here's the rocks that are in its gizzard and and here's the heart and here's the lungs and and then you know pretty quickly through that process which is not a very very fun process butchering chickens it's kind of stinky but um it becomes meat and then you're like okay and now this is what you cook with and this is what you see in the grocery store and so yeah there wasn't really that specific instance of slaughter that i can remember 
Um, well, one question, another question is, can I come help you slaughter chickens one time? Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Some people are like, I need the help. It was funny. Like, I, I was having a birthday a couple years ago, and I was in Colorado, and um, I had been teaching that program. And so I was meeting a lot of farmers throughout the area, and there was this big chicken farm. And not like an industrial one, but, you know, like probably a couple hundred chickens. And anyways, I was going to go up there for my birthday, and something got in the way. But everybody's like, what are you going to do for your birthday? And I'm like, I'm going to go slaughter some chickens. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because it sounds cool and, you know, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of feels about it, but I think it's just really important to, to get your hands into the food you eat. And obviously we are all so disconnected from it at this point that yes. there's a lot of issues uh, surrounding our food systems. And so that's like another question about, you know, why you started Mountain Meat Shares and, and obviously a little bit from your past and growing up with a family that cared about meat so much, but, yeah, you know, you talk about a little bit about like your what you were doing professionally and then how you got to this point yeah so um I did have a family my grandparents were retired dairy farms dairy farmers by the time that I came along but we always grew all of the food that we ate and so that was and caring for the animals and the animal husbandry part of it was really important to my grandparents it sort of just came on to the way I was raised and so it was really important to me and shortly after becoming a real adult and having a, you know access to being in the country even though we didn't own our own farm back then I had laying hens and you know wanted to care for animals and cared for the neighbor's sheep and it was just something that was really important to me and then as we were able to develop this homestead we had a variety of animals here and it, it's just really important to me to care for animals and to have animals as part of um, I don't know our lifestyle and as our food system and so um, that was always a part of my personal life and then when I left my professional career some years ago I wanted to find a way that I could still be involved with animals and find a way to also help local farmers because I knew how difficult it was for them to find a market. And I also, you know, I mentioned that we raised pigs here. Whenever we would have friends or um, different people come from town and, and they would see the pigs and they would see them out there and they just, there was just this realization about them. They're like, I want that. I, I, I understand that. I want that part of me for me. And that connection was really important to me. And so that was um, one of the reasons why I started Mountain Meat Shares. And so you produce your own meat here, but you also are sourcing from local farmers yes. as well. So yep. I saw that on the website. Yes. So uh -huh. the model is is that I'm, I'm selecting and sourcing um, animals from local farmers and ranchers throughout the, the greater Missoula Valley. Those and I buy those animals whole, and then they're processed at the processor. I put the cut orders through, and then I um, take inventory and store the meat and put together the shares. And can you talk a little bit about like how complicated that process might have been? Because like as a as a chef and food person, I mean, you know, you're dealing with the health department anytime you're or, you know opening a business, and you know, meat processing. Um, there's a lot of protocol that goes along with that. So yeah, can you break us curve. through? Yeah, it was a learning curve for sure. There's a goat chewing on the laptop. There's a goat eating the computer, but you're cute, so we'll let it happen. Um, it was a learning curve. Um, I think that it's harder in other places than Montana. And, you know, it's just compliance, like a lot of things. You just have to follow the rules. There was a lot of licenses that I had to apply for and understand. Um, some of them are kind of silly and don't make a ton of sense, but it's not as 
um, difficult as I think it could be maybe in other states and other places. Um, there are certain rules that I had to follow and some of them, um, yeah, like I said, don't make a lot of sense, but it, it was just a learning curve. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like anything else. I mean, nothing's impossible, but sometimes, I mean, it just, United States has a ton of rules. So, I mean, again, you go to other countries yeah. and it's a lot easier to probably process meat and eat from local farms. And so um, the hoops we create here are for safety, but they're also can make it a little crazy. Yeah. So. Especially like, I mean, I don't sell milk and milk is not part of my product that in my business but the recently that the, we finally have a raw milk legislation in the state of Montana which we are one of the few states that didn't and that's kind of crazy because we're an agricultural state mm -hmm. and um, yeah we're a little behind the times in that way yeah it's fun it's, it is a funny state in that in that regard because we there's a lot of there's a lot of legislation stuff that could be changed. We won't go into that. I'm like thinking about the bar industry. Um, but yes, you're doing great. And like five year anniversary right now, we yeah. just decided like, um, what's like the most important thing I think like, like, that you've learned in those five years? Oh boy. I know there's a lot. There's a lot. I think um, learning about what people like to cook and how they like to cook it's different than maybe the way that I cook or the way that I shop. And so trying to learn about other people's preferences, um, a lot about marketing has been a challenge because it's not an area that I had a lot of exposure to before. How are sales? Like how is business? I mean, are you selling out every year? Or? Uh, not right now. Of course, like many food businesses, we had a big peak during COVID times. Mm -hmm. It was, I'm glad it happened when it did because had it happened when I first started, I never would have been prepared for that. I just wouldn't have had the logistics. I wouldn't have had the, um, the producers wouldn't have been ready. The relationships wouldn't have been there, but um, we made it through that. And that was a big increase to business. Um, things have pretty much leveled off since since that since those times. Um, but I think like you started out that podcast saying it's it's a unique thing a meat CSA. So not a lot of people know they exist. People have heard of things like butcher box in larger cities and people that move here from other places are sort of knowing what they're looking for, but it's still not something even when I was doing market research a lot of people don't even not a lot of people, many people don't know what a vegetable CSA is. So sometimes I would say, you know, it's a meat CSA, like vegetables, but for me, and they would still be looking at me like, what do you mean a CSA? What's that? Yeah. So I can speak to that as a city girl, like who grew up in Boston and, and that area. And even in Colorado, like in, in the city world, it's like, I moved out here and I was like, what is a CSA? You know, and like at 34 years old, not knowing that is still shocking to me and how that's part of the reason I do this is so like even if it's just my friends and family listening hopefully more and more people will catch on yeah but like just spreading that knowledge because it's amazing the opportunities that you can get from your from your local sources um and so my husband he prefers to eat cheap meat so this is a yeah. um a struggle that we have quite often there are people that just eat for sustenance you know or the protein and obviously the value of it um and meat became really cheap I think obviously prices have gone up in the last couple of years, but I mean, that was, you know, a pretty affordable product on the shelves for many, many years. Um, so he likes to eat cheap meat. I always go for local. Can you convince him to change? Can you give him some <laughs> words of wisdom and bring him to sure. my side? I don't know if I can, but 
I think it depends where people's values are, and everybody has a different set of value systems. And so, you know, if I was to speak to something about the environment or um, humane treatment of the animals, but that's not a value system that another person has, that's not going to resonate with them. And so, it just depends if they care about um, supporting local business, or if they care about the humane treatment of the animals, or if they are aware of the ecosystems and the regenerative agriculture. I know you interviewed um, Bart from Oxbow Cattle Company. Yeah. They are doing amazing things with regenerative agriculture. But if, if those are not things that um, are a uh, high level of value for someone, that's, that's not going to resonate with them. And so then there's the, um, I think a lot of my customers speak to the quality and the taste, and I think there's a difference there, and some people really value that. Um, I think, though, that there's also the idea that, um, you know, my, my partner Micah and I both have family members where none of those things would resonate with them. Not the environment, not the health and wellness part of it, not the humane treatment thing. Like, none of that isn't important for those members of the family. So then I would um, look to the idea of just um, cooking at home and where money dollars are spent because um, you know we were talking earlier about the restaurant business and that's just not something having always lived rurally eating out at restaurants or now these days like takeout or um, you know picking up fast casual food that's never been a part of my lifestyle and when I do see parts of that I am kind of amazed at how expensive that is and compared to eating at home mm-hmm. and so I think if you're going to cook at home you can um, really save a lot of food dollars that way well and i'll speak to the quality because it is delicious like the the products that you create and the stuff that i was getting all summer long um was delicious and i mean you could tell t- tell a difference you know my husband and i would make um uh, that ground pork especially was like the bomb i just loved yeah. doing all sorts of stuff with that That's so versatile um <laughs> yeah you put it in anything i loved and i love your instagram and your cooking demos and uh, the recipes that you make so i mean it's very inspiring and yeah, if, when you do talk about costs, you know, people are always like, oh, it's so much more expensive to cook locally. But, again, when you – versus going out, you know, mm-hmm. um, the savings are there. And the quality is there and the health benefits are there. So, again, I can't speak highly enough about just the product that you create because I think it's Thanks. something really special. And this is maybe is a little bit of a tangent, but I spent a little bit of time last year in the functional health world for my own personal self, and I didn't get a lot of answers that I was searching for for some specific things there. But one of the things that I really um, learned was the nutrient density about meat. And of all the foods that you can eat, you're going to get the most bang for your buck when it comes to nutrients out of meat. And I've really increased the amount of protein that I'm eating and feel a lot better because of it. I do want to have like a debate show where it's like you and a vegan, but we'll do that. <laughs> We're going to do that next time. Oh, no. Yes, I can't wait. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes too, like in your mind, does the amount of meat consumed in this country sometimes play a role in our ability to go local on a national scale? Because a lot of people say you can't feed the country this way. Like we have to have these industrial farms, mm. um, you know, and I think there's a lot of arguments on either side of that, but how much meat do you eat? You know, you're saying, okay, I've increased my protein intake. Some people are saying we should reduce it and we should treat it as a specialty item and maybe only eat beef like once a week because it's not something that we always had available. So, you know, you think um, the natives when they were killing the buffalo and, you know, really taking care of that process and the animal and not like overdoing Mm -hmm. it, you know, and then also foraging. So like 
just do you think that we've gotten way off track with how much we consume or are we just consuming the wrong thing? I think we're consuming the wrong thing and it's also such a huge question of systemic change. Like there's so much that needs to change from the fossil fuel industry supporting cheap commodity food and how um, so much money and resources and water is going towards that and not toward the quality of the food and the types of food that we need to eat. I have heard a statistic multiple times that 50% of the food that we eat, Canadians eat in the UK, and the people in the UK eat is processed. 50%. I know that you know the discussion about what's processed, so sometimes just slightly cooking something can consider it processed, but when I go to the grocery store and I see what's in other people's mm-hmm. carts and I see what's, see what's on the shelves, like there is a lot of processed foods being consumed mm-hmm. and there's a lot of resources going into that. And if you compare that to what we could be putting into just whole foods and quality meat and quality care of the animals, the land, the people that are in the processing, we could change a lot of things. But to answer the question about how much meat I eat. So there's that big problem, and there's this huge systemic thing, and then there's me personally and my own personal health. And I never had concerns about how much meat I was eating, or was it bad for my health, or was it bad for my budget, or any of that, or even bad for the environment. But like I said in the past year, I learned a lot about the nutrient density of food and a lot of bit about the amount of protein that we actually need in our bodies. And um, having a condition like hypothyroidism and just being a woman. And um, I am now aiming to eat, um, and I don't normally think of food in terms of grams and nutrients and that kind of stuff, but 30 grams of protein per meal, which is a lot. And so I'm now eating meat at nearly every meal. And there's a lot of things that have made me feel, it it has made me feel a lot better. It doesn't, um, I don't feel, starving all the time you know I don't get to 10 o'clock and I'm like I have to have a snack and I can feel like I can go out on a big outdoor adventure and not be hungry or depleted um, I, don't, I could talk a lot about that but to give the short answer to your question is um, I'm now eating meat every day multiple times a day gotcha and you're feeling better. feeling better and everybody's different but you know I mean we're not saying everybody needs to do exactly no. the same thing but when it is high quality and my husband he to bring it back in sorry George your topic of conversation today <laughs> um, he was like trying that carnivore diet for a while too but again with the cheap stuff and I was like you know again it's still protein it still it has is. nutrients and things of that nature but imagine how good your body can feel with other things you know and so but still you know I think people need to eat to, I personally think that people will feel better if they're eating meat and they will get more nutrients out of it. It doesn't have to be quality meat. Any meat will give you those nutrients, but in order to start changing the systems that we want to change, better meat, if you can afford it and if you can have access to it, I think is a better way to go. But I also feel like when people aren't eating something like that's as satiating as meat, what are they replacing that with? and it usually is something processed, it's usually something sugary, it's usually something carby. Mm-hmm. And so... I can speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I love, I mean, just bread and pasta and things, and it's, it's easy you. and you go for it, but... Definitely. Yeah, I definitely feel def- different after eating, like, again, whole foods versus the starchy okay. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, we all could do... We're all trying to do a little yes, bit better, are. so... I got a chip habit myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all have our things. Um, I want to talk slaughter a little bit, going yeah. back to that. Um, 
we're sitting next to these really cute baby goats who probably have mm. another 11 months left yeah. on the earth. So um, do you do most of the slaughtering? Well, you do your slaughtering here with the chickens and the goats. Uh, actually, the goats, um, although I have slaughtered them, they need to go through the processing. Mm. Uh, um, we talked a little bit about the licensing. They need to go to a state-certified processor in order for me to sell them re through retail. And so they will um, not be processed here. Gotcha. Have you ever killed a goat? Mm -hmm. Okay. How was that? It was really tough. It was a baby who was very, very sick. And um, I needed to do it, and it was it was really hard. But honestly, one of the hardest things that I've had that I needed to well, I didn't have to slaughter. I didn't have to slaughter anything, but that I chose to slaughter was uh, rabbits. So for a couple of years, I wrote, raised these beautiful um, uh, rabbit meat rabbits called Champagne d'Argent, and they were they were absolutely gorgeous. And um, that was difficult. I had seen them born as just tiny little rabbits, and they were very beautiful, and um, that process was something that I did all by myself and did the research, and I have a friend that says you can learn anything from a YouTube video, and uh, that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a difficult process. I really appreciated the all of the steps that had gone into raising that animal, um, but it was difficult. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think most people, like, I mean, I get, like, what do you think about this homestead that you have here and I'm, I'm inviting myself to kill chickens but yeah. um do you ever think about or do you already kind of do any educational kind of things like that here where you let people come and experience that part of the process because I don't think it's it's accessible to a lot of people to yeah to get their hands dirty in that kind of way and yeah. I mean obviously watching a YouTube video is different than, than doing do it, it yourself, yourself. Yeah. yeah you know not on a scale of any kind I've certainly oh. had um, people just like yourself who've said could I come butcher chickens with you and I'm always like absolutely we can have more hands on deck and everyone's uh, some people are, are totally for it and other people are like mm, I'm not sure about this but by the end people get it mm -hmm. they get it they see the process they understand what it takes they see in the end the, the the result of getting meat that they can recognize and I think it it makes a, a big difference I think for them to see the whole process I'm not saying that every American is going to stomach that by any means, but I think those that do come away with a better understanding. And I've been walking around the property a little bit, but um, vegetables, do you eat them? Do you grow them? <laughs> is it just meat? What's going on around here? Yeah, I, eat a, I do eat a lot of vegetables, but I am a horrible gardener. I am a neglectful gardener. I feel like to be a good gardener, it needs to be priority like one, two, or three. And here it ends up being like 10, 11, 12. And I'm excited about it in the spring and then like irrigation and it's challenging and weeds. And so we've got we, a lot going on. We have a lot going on here. <laughs> we consistently grow uh, garlic and do a good job at that. Um, we have uh, raspberries, and as long as the goats don't eat all the vines or the um, stalks of that, um, the raspberries do pretty well. But um, at times, I have tried other vegetables, and we are so fortunate to have access to Harlequin produce right here in the valley. Kaylee and Brian are friends of ours. They do an amazing job. Okay. I'm able to go over there. In fact, I just went over there this afternoon to pick up my vegetable CSA share, and um, it is 
it makes me smile every Wednesday going over there, seeing the um, <laughs> the harvest, seeing things change throughout the season, seeing the workers out there. I love my vegetable CSA. So, and I do a, a big stock up in the fall. We're approaching the time when um, they're accepting their CSA fall stock up shares, and I encourage people to do that. It's not so much no goats eating MacBooks. No. Um, they, Good I, sound it, effects, it is though. something that I really, um, I kind of love the challenge of having just a limited amount of things to eat. You know, we. In America, in so many places, we can go to the grocery store any time of year, at any time, even in a city like Missoula, and get just about anything we want. And it's overwhelming. That decision is overwhelming. And that stuff has traveled so far. And so to have almost all of the vegetables that I'm going to eat for the rest of the winter and fall and get them at one time and just work through that process makes me really happy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and to your point, I did Harlequin um, vegetables as well. And, like... I, I like to try to think I'm a gardener, and I do try every year my little pots on my patio, but I'm like, let's just leave it to the professionals they because such they're professionals. so good at it. <laughs> Why am I killing myself and using all this water for, like, notes? I get these teeny little tomatoes, tomatoes, and I'm I like, know. oh, my God, yeah. it's so sad. Um, you know, people think when you're a chef that you just know how to do everything. You know how to kill chickens, <laughs> and you know how to grow the vegetables, and this is a, really a, a big learning process for me and why I love getting to chat with people like you is just because I'm I'm constantly learning and this really gets me out um, and into the situations that you know that I can also transition that you know that, that information for other to other people too yeah. yeah so I guess next up you guys will see us uh, butchering chickens we'll do it live <laughs> live on wow. Instagram yikes um yep I will say Up one thing about um, growing vegetables in climate change. So this year I got inspired to grow sweet potatoes, mm -hmm. which are really a southern hot weather crop. But I had read that you can get a variety that even in Canada can grow. And so I gave it a try. And then um, the transplant, you know, they come in the mail. It was a rough transplant. And then we had, you know, the coldest spring ever this year. And they really struggled through that cold, cold spring. And then they, they kind of did okay. Um, and I just harvested them last week. And, you know, given the neglect and how I'm kind of a poor farmer, they did pretty well. Like, yeah. I got sweet potatoes on nice. it. So um, I think there are two things that are really going to do well with um, global warming, and that's rattlesnakes and sweet potatoes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, some positives can come out of this. I love a good sweet potato. So <laughs> it is crazy how you can, I mean, what you can grow in Montana is, is changing, right? Like, it I mean, all, everything is yeah. changing. So we got to take the good with the bad. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with us about Mountain Meat Shares? Any exciting news or um, things you're looking forward to in the coming year? Boy, um, I would love people to learn a little bit about what a meat share is like. You know, that it's a share of pork, chicken, and beef. And that things like goat or rabbit, if I offer it again, are going to be add-ons. So that's not, you know. I think sometimes people say, what am I going to do with the odd things? Like that they're <laughs> going to get like, you know, pig's feet or liver or something like that in their share and they're not. It's just going to be regular meat. You can buy some of those other odd things for add-ons if you'd like, but they're not part of it. And um, goat kid is not included unless you want to. Got it. I know. <laughs> now I'm debating. I'm like, gosh, I love to eat goat. But when you're sitting here looking at them, it's a whole different story. And that's just part of the struggle that... Um, I think I'm interested to learn more about myself in that in that that connection. In that connection, yeah. yeah. Am I able to 
yeah. disconnect in that way, and or learning, am I just going to become a vegan after and, this whole thing? And <laughs> learning about um, goats, I learned that um, goat is the most popular red meat eaten in the in the in the world mm-hmm. um, because it is pretty easy to raise and it is pretty tasty. And um, you know, in Americans, there's a quote that I paraphrased at some point that we. Um, Americans think of eating goat like soccer. We like it, but we don't get it, mm-hmm. and we're just not sure about it. <laughs> I love that analogy. Well, on that, we're going to leave you um, and the goats here, but I want to thank you again for taking the time to let me come up and, and meet the babies and learn more about Mount Meatshears. Again, you can go to, is it mountmeatshears.com? It is. Yep, um, and you're available all year round. I am. Awesome, yes. yep. So if you are in missoula or surrounding area mm-hmm. um of missoula you can definitely be a part of this amazing process the the meat is delicious i can speak to that myself and if you're not in a place like montana is there a place um you know online or you said butcher box i think was one of the bigger ones you might have mentioned yeah that is is kind of a larger one but um i think going to a site like local harvest and being able to find farms that you can visit and farms that you can learn about and other farms that have csas um, would be a great way to start Awesome. Well, thanks for the tip, and we appreciate all that you do. Thank you. For more information about Charlie the Chicken Mushroom, head to our website at charliethechickenmushroom.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and find us on YouTube. Thanks so much.